many, how many have uh, firmly understood that life is changing pretty quickly? <laughs> that um, when you when you sort of got up sometime in, in February, and we're blessed this morning. Um, uh, have a gentleman here, and I'm not going to start naming names and embarrass anyone, but um, happened to go to Israel and, and was a part of this trip. And as soon as we got off the plane, we were canceling services. Um, it's, it's almost like life's been a blur. But in the last several months, um, I can sense God was doing something in my life. Um, and just to, to I think we're going to start messages this way, it's to, Sometimes I want to start with a question. But what God's been saying to me, because I'm, I'm one of those people that um, I want to try to have at least the next eight weeks lined out in some type of series or some type of direction in where we're going. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. <clears throat> but um, how many were raised Pentecostal? Okay, if you were raised Pentecostal, you know what I mean? Sometimes when a preacher gets up, the Lord has just given him a word like 30 minutes ago. Right? I don't necessarily like planning like that. But as I was praying about a series as we were starting to get ready to gather again, um, I, I just had a hard time nailing some things down. And it was as if the Lord was saying, um, John, I just want you to trust me every day. I'm like, Lord, I do. I, I promise. Please give me a series. <laughs> I promise, Lord, I trust you, and I give me a series. I need at least eight weeks, Lord. Please, thank you very much. And he said, I'll talk to you in the morning. And every day just became a new day of listening. Every day just became a new day of, um, all right, I really don't know what next Sunday's going to be. And I even prayed one morning, Lord, I feel more Pentecostal right now than I have in a long time. I don't know what I'm preaching next week. And, and, and the Lord says that's not a bad thing because I want you to listen to me like you never have. I want you to listen to me like you never have. And then with the staff, <clears throat> over the last several uh, weeks into June, we started looking again at the vision and the mission and, and what life was going to look like, trying to figure out what life would look like sometime into September, October, into the, the new year and you're always hearing about what other churches are doing or not doing or proposed to doing. And, and we just realize, you know what, if we really are sincere about seeing every generation transformed by Jesus Christ in every area of their life, I just want to start preaching on that. If that's who we are, and, and again, full transparency, <clears throat> there's a part of me, of, you know, everything is so scaled down. Then I started praying, okay, Lord, but please help me to say the good stuff when everybody gets back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use all my dry powder now, Lord. And then he told me, you think everybody's coming back? <laughs> Hello? Um, he wasn't saying that to chastise as much as it was. <clears throat> We need to be feeding and listening to God right now. I'm, I'm telling you, that's not a mistake that you're here this morning. What I believe God is saying to us is, is even through me, I'm listening to God every morning. It's not a mistake you're here this morning. Um, Dr. Gucci, the priest, brought a great word 
And I even told him this morning, he, he helped change some things on how we do church. That's, you've never seen me stand up here and preach. First time. But I have to copy him, that's why. <laughs> no. <clears throat> so what, what are we going to talk about this morning for a few minutes? Several weeks ago, if, if we want to see every generation transformed by the power of Jesus Christ in every area of their life, if that's really who we say we are, uh, we start off by saying there's some things that are going to be seen in that transformational process. First of all, I'm going to keep that slide up there. A person's going to be saved. We can get that slide up there. <laughs> With or without a slide, a person <laughs> needs to be saved. But then when a person is saved, and I'm talking about this today, a person needs to be healed. Yes. Yes. Saved, healed. Uh, next week I'm talking about being set free. Say Saved, healed, set free. Because you can't really, you know, sometimes we just think being saved and now let's just wait till Jesus comes. Or I'm saved, you mean I have to go to Sunday school? You mean I have to be disciple? What I have to pray? What's all this? Listen, getting saved is day one. Yeah. You're saved. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it, it's hard to understand that when people are serving God, if they've not walked through some healing and deliverance or being set free from things, you're never going to serve like you really can in the kingdom. Amen. And, and again, I'm preaching what God, I believe, is speaking into my spirit, a person. I told you this before, I can't preach anything to you that I'm not experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Or on me. I've got to experience it myself. Yeah. So what does that mean for us? What does being healed mean for us? Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read very familiar passage from Luke chapter 4, but then I'm going to really get into a lot of the word this morning. I just want to talk about two aspects of healing. Physical healing and emotional healing. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus is saying. That this, Jesus has just come out of the wilderness. He goes to the temple, the synagogue. He goes in. And this is probably a place of worship many times. Very familiar. He takes the scroll, opens to Isaiah. And he says, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled before you. Now, we know that in the life of Jesus, this was setting up his ministry, and now he was going out, doing these powerful acts of ministry, uh, and then dying on the cross, rose on the third day, ascended, and we are waiting for his return. But what does that mean for us? That means that we have to understand that if we really believe in Jesus Christ, we have good news. There is good news. We can't be saved. We have been freed. We're no longer slaves to sin. We have been healed. <clears throat> I'm going to get to that in a moment. You have been healed. When we talk about body, soul, and spirit, and I don't want to get too lost on here, and please, no one Google this right now. When you talk about body, soul, and spirit, 
the spirit man is when you are saved, that spirit man is now again in relationship with God. Yes. You were dead in your sins and trespasses, but made alive in Jesus Christ. Our soul is that part of us that is our mind, our will, our desires. Isn't it a good thing that once you get saved, you no longer struggle with that? <laughs> I was hoping half of you would be honest. Because here's, here's the reality. When I give my life to Jesus Christ, my spirit man is solidified. But there's still a work going on in my soul. There's still, there's still a, he who began a good work in me. There's still a good work going on in me. It's a battle some days. Somebody say amen. Some days you feel really good. But I know the days that I feel really, really good, I start thinking it's my strength. Yes. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm reminded that his strength is perfect. Yes. But I, there's this work that's going on in our soul. And I'm saying that because when we get to the body, how many of you understand? And I, I, I say this sometimes, and I've got to find a better way of saying it. Because you're, you were not created after the fall to live here forever. Before the fall, yes. But when Jesus Christ came, he is setting up for us a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth. We will have new bodies one day. But if you live long enough, your knees will hurt. If you live long enough, your back will ache, young people. Um, if you live long enough, you know, there used to be a time that I could swim and run and play football and get up the next day and do it all again and not be in pain. Now getting out of the pool can be painful. Why? Because these bodies get old. These bodies start to wear and tear. These bodies break down. Because they were not meant to last year forever. Now, I'm not saying that to depress you. I'm saying that to encourage you that there's healing in Christ Jesus. Now let me just get into the word and and break this down a little bit because I know I can already tell some of you are getting nervous. First of all, there's physical healing. How many of you believe that God wants you to be healed? Amen. Amen. And they have Okay. Listen to what Exodus chapter 15 says. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which was right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. And that particular passage, and sometimes the word healing is specifically used for our spiritual healing. But this is not used for just spiritual healing. This is talking about sicknesses and diseases that were placed on the Egyptians. And this is the first time that we see, I love in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses asked God, who, who shall I say is sending me? And God's response was, you tell him, I am. The beginning, the end. There's no in-between, I am. And, and here in Exodus, he's telling the children of Israel, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. I am your healer. These names throughout the Old Testament that we see in 
We've heard them used before. Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. Jehovah Nisi. He is our victory. Jehovah Jireh. Our provider. In this particular verse is Jehovah Rapha. Our healer. Why? Because it's not just describing what God can do. It describes who he is. See, God is our healer. It's not that God, it's almost like saying, um, do you believe that God wants to love you? God is love. It's not does God want to love you. He's already told you, I love you so much, I said, I want to be son. God is love. God is our healer. Now listen to what he says in Exodus 23. I will take, if you do what I ask, I will take this sickness away from among you. Deuteronomy 7. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew. You will be inflicted. You will not be inflicted. Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Now, let me ask a quick question. How many of you believe the first part of that he forgives all of your iniquity. You believe that? Then why do we have such a hard time believing the second part? And heals all our diseases. Can I just throw something in here? Because here's, here's what I've noticed about this type of a message. It makes us nervous. Now, if, if you're saying this doesn't make me nervous. Okay, it makes a lot of people nervous. Why? Because do you know anybody who's not been healed? Do you know someone that you personally know and maybe they've gone on to be with the Lord and you were praying, God heal them. And they weren't healed. But then you hear me read these passages. I'm not even got to the New Testament yet. And then you hear me ask this question. He forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, but, but passed away. But isn't there a but in there somewhere? Listen to what the New Testament says. Matthew 4, Matthew 4. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of diseases. It's Jesus. And all kinds of diseases among the people. And his fame went to all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted by various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. He healed them. Matthew 8. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. Now, now I'm saying that because, yes, here, here's what I want us to grasp very quickly Jesus Christ paid the price for everything. And we get to experience so much of that now. But not yet. See, this physical body is going to decay. I wish I could tell you that if I, whenever I get sick, I just pray and I'm, I'm instantly feeling better. My grandkids left yesterday. I'm still not feeling better. <laughs> You have to really, I, I and I have to run like crazy just to keep them tired so they'll sleep. 
I sleep well when they're here. And I've prayed many times, Lord, help me keep up with them. But you know what? The, I don't get any answers to that prayer. Why? Because God doesn't care about me? No. It's this body is not meant to go, 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 go. Am I making any sense? So, and, and I know there were some that you're battling sickness in your body right now. Excuse me. You're battling sickness in your body right now. The reality is the, the body that we're in is not our eternal body. But I do believe God still heals right now. Now let's break that down a little bit. Because there's a couple of ways we can look at this. In Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I believe he can do what he's done, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I, I believe that there could be healing. So why doesn't he heal when I need healing? There's two, there's two trains of thought that I want to hit just for a minute, and I'm not going to take a long time. It's simply, it's simply this. God can heal everyone. But he chooses to only heal who he wants. Now that's one train of thought. The problem with that is it's easy to put the blame on God. God, I prayed and my child still died. God, I prayed and my dad still died. God, I, and, and we sort of went through this personally. Both my parents died of cancer within uh, 10 months of each other. Both had cancer. Mom didn't even know my mom had cancer, and they both died at the age of 62. Very young. And we prayed. My dad preached the gospel almost the entire time of my life that I can remember. My dad was preaching the gospel. I was raised in a pastor's home, and he was preaching healing. And we saw healing. We saw people delivered from so many different things. So when my dad had cancer, to me, it was a no-brainer. To me, it was just, you know, a matter of time. And that would be another testimony. But then he died. And, and the testimony was a powerfully lived life. But come on, God. What's up with that? And, and by the way, Lord, I don't want to get too deep into this story. But he had a brother one of my uncles, who was a scoundrel. I mean, this guy could smoke two or three packs of cigarettes a day, drink anybody I know under the table, run cars through brick walls, and just get up and walk around like nothing happened. And I'm like, Lord, if you had to take somebody. <laughs> if, if there was, if we could have made a choice there, but that's why I'm not God, by the way. Because here, here's one thing about that scoundrel. He got saved before he died. See? And, and it's still, it's hard, to, it's hard to try to get my mind around it because as soon as we buried my dad, my mom started saying, you know, I just don't feel well. I'm just not feeling good. I know maybe she's not eating right. And, and within a month, we found out she had stage four cancer. And by that next summer, we buried my mom. And so we lived in a whirlwind for several years because in our Christianese, we knew that God could heal. But was he only choosing? But there's also the other, the other spectrum that, that we need to be careful of. And that is, 
God has healed everybody. But do you have enough faith? Because now when I looked at my mom and dad, I was like, did I not really believe? You see, here's the key in those in those little passages, in, in those two spectrums. One, we either blame God or we want to blame somebody. Prayer's not getting answered, God, because you didn't do something or you didn't believe. God, you let us down or I let myself down. And I know I've said this before. It's, it's almost like blaming God for a flat tire. You know, you, you're on your way to work. You're already late. Like, that's God's fault, too. And then you have a flat tire. And you're like, God, why is this happening to me? Well, yeah, I didn't do my devotions this morning, so I deserve this. No, there was a nail in the road. And you got a flat tire. That's exactly what happened. God didn't cause a nail in the road. The contractor did. So we're against all contractors today. No, yeah, somebody dropped a nail in the road. Every time I drive, my brothers, they, they have a business downtown Norfolk. If I drive down there, I don't even get close to any of the curbs because I know I'm going to get a nail. Here, here's the bottom line. Um, your, your healing doesn't come because you let God down. Are you, are you convinced God? I know there's a lot of different teaching out there that can move the hand of God. Listen, I'm not saying that we should stop praying. What I am saying is not everybody I pray for has always gotten healed the way I think they should be healed. I can't explain that. I hope I'm making sense this morning. Because you're going to go, Paul even said, Lord, I've got this thing I'm dealing with. Please take it away. It's, it's with the brothers. My grace is sufficient. He even told Timothy, take a little wine for the stomach's sake. Why? Because Timothy was complaining of some stomach issues. And, and your our supernatural, Pentecostal, or charismatic backgrounds want to say, why didn't Paul go over, the apostle Paul, and lay hands on Timothy and have a little mirror? Because God's not in that kind of funny business. If, if you've got a stomach ache, stop eating candy. <laughs> If, if you're, can I metaphor? Just a minute. If, uh, if my teeth are falling out because I eat too much candy, God may do a miracle. But he also may let me know that eating candy needs to get out of the equation. In other words, there are just certain things that probably could take care of themselves if we took care of ourselves. Amen? Now, I'm not, I'm not, I am, I am preaching down at you right now. I'm too way up high right now. But here's, here's the reality. Answers to our prayers regarding healing to our physical bodies. I, I wish I could tell you why some don't and some do. But here's what I can tell you. We all are through Jesus Christ. And there's going to be a day when every eye will be open and there'll be no more tears because there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. Everybody will walk. Everybody will talk. No sore backs. And we'll rule and reign for him, with him forever. Now that, that just leads me to emotional healing. Because why is this to me sometimes more important than the physical healing? I think that emotional healing holds more people in bondage than physical healing ever could. 
It's our emotional healing that if we can get our, our minds, if you will, around that, there'd be more freedom in this place than you could ever imagine. Let's talk about that for a minute, because going back to that scripture in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppressed. And that word oppressed means crushed, beat down, um, worn out, anxiety ridden. You can't take another step. I mean, it's pressing in, it's hard, you're frustrated. It, and it, the, the brokenness and the beat down there, it, it's, it's real. It's not just talking about you've had a bad day. It's, it's like when you have a relationship and you get walked out on. That kind of crush. You lose your job and you didn't expect it. That kind of crush. Your friends betray. It's the kind of trust that, that emotionally, have you ever literally felt like your, like your stomach has just been ripped out? Have you ever felt that? That's a real feeling. Have you ever felt that just so much anxiety and so much fear has just pressed down you can't even breathe? Heard one pastor say, and I totally agree with him, it's, it's like we've becoming a, we're becoming a part of a culture and an age where instead of really dealing with the issues, we're trying to learn how to cope rather than be free. Rather than being healed and being able to be free from things, we're just trying to learn how to cope with things. And instead of walking out and being free in Christ, we're sort of miserably being existing Coping in our existence. God's not called us to cope. Now, please don't get me wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of things that some of you have to put up with occasionally. Can I get an amen? You know, there are things you have to put up with. You can't just go storming in and get your way on a lot of things. Husbands, amen? <laughs> but here, here's what I do know. We've all been bruised. We've all been crushed. We've all had things that didn't go our way. We've all had our lives turned upside down. We've all been through difficult valleys in our lives. And I'm not trying to convince you of this. I'm trying to get you a firm picture of what some of those areas have been in your life. Not to remind you, but to remind you of how you acted when they did. Because here's how we, we typically act when we get betrayed. We make sure we're never going to get betrayed again. So depending on our circumstances, if, if we're betrayed in a relationship, we live guarded and we never have close relationships ever again. So because if I ever get close to someone, I don't want to get hurt again, so I'm never getting close to anyone again. And we walk around, you don't see our hands, but we're doing this all the time. Okay? That's called bondage. Um, we, we, and we, we think we're trying to protect ourselves. And, and we, so we control our environments, we control our settings, we control the workplace, or we control our relationships at home, and, and we, we think we're trying to make that other person a better person. But you know what you do to a person when you try to control them, don't you? You push them away. You're not creating a safer place for you, you're creating a larger place for you. You're pushing people away. And in, in controlling 
Then we find ourselves manipulated. I know when I talk like this sometimes, I, I know, I'm hoping that you can all agree, oh yeah, that's that's good. Because I also know that about 30 seconds from now, some of you are going to go, oh, wait a minute. That's me. See, no, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm close. We're going to pray in just a minute. Because here's what happens. We start to get manipulated. And, and worse yet, we become a people pleaser. Because if we can just please everybody, nobody will hate us. If we can make everybody happy, we'll get along with everybody. And see, I'm, I'm saying this not because we shouldn't try to make people comfortable and love people and make people happy. I'm not saying leave you there and make people mad. What I am saying is when you're caught in that bondage, you're bound emotionally. You've not allowed yourself to heal from something. How does this how does this get created? How does this start? See, we don't get what we want because when we were a child, and, and I, I'm not going to try to go down this long counseling, uh, I'm not a skilled counselor in that respect, but I, I've been, I've seen it too long in my life. I'm 57. I've seen stuff. Somebody, and I, boy, I, I, I could really talk for a while about children right now, guys. We're living in a culture where no child I know used to be told no. Uh, every every child I see that you say no, leave that alone. They just start screaming and crying, and the parents are like, oh, "Okay, go ahead." I, I start having convulsions. I, I'm not even sure. I, and then that's why I'm down to old school. More taking home right now because I'm ready to go. <laughs> but well, here's what's happening: we're raising a generation that's at some point you're going to tell them no. And my dad always said this. I don't. I'm not preaching this, but my dad always said, "Son." If I don't spank you, somebody else will. That's right. So come here. <laughs> and I, I always try to talk talk to him for Dad. Can you explain that a little bit more? No, it's too late. Come here. <laughs> here's what he was saying. I'm going to discipline you because if I don't, somebody else will, and they won't love you like I do. And what does he mean by? What could my dad possibly mean by that? What am I trying to portray to you? It, it's very important that you learn at a young age you don't get everything you want. Yeah, yeah. Because if we don't start getting everything we want, we'll start acting like we deserve everything. Now, what does this got to do with emotional healing? A lot. We live in a culture that people have been told no at a point in their life where they're expecting I should have everything in my life. And they wonder why they're not happy with anything. They're not happy with anything. We live in the most blessed nation on the planet, and nobody's happy with what they've got. Think about that for a minute. We live in such a blessed city and area, but we live in fear. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I have to deal with. I don't, but God does. And I'm not trying to oversimplify. What I am trying to say is, when we understand what God is doing and what God is doing in our life, and it's not just about us getting what we want, then I can understand that it's not just, my wife's not trying to just boss me around when she says, hey, do me a favor, don't forget. Here's how you can tell you got a problem. You ready? Ready, men? When, when your wife says, hey, don't forget, excuse me? Why do you always tell me don't forget? Are you saying that I forget? 
Hello? Um, or has anybody any couples ever experienced this? You know, you get really defensive when I start to talk to you. So do you. <laughs> that, that's a sign right there that everybody's wrestling. Because here's what that's really saying. Okay? And I'll just use my, my marriage as an example. Okay, can I do that, honey? Okay. Um, whenever my wife says, could you, could you not forget this time to boot? See, it's not even her. It's my dad. It's, it's when I was a teenager. Hey, knucklehead, have you done what I told you to do yet? Have you not picked that up yet? Have you not done this? Now, I know that's going to sound silly to a lot of us right now. But see, that sticks with you. That'll stick with And, and you, all, all of a sudden, now you're 25, and somebody says, hey, uh, don't forget to, hey, buddy. Partner. I don't need your help. I got this covered. See, now you start telling everybody else what you wish you had told your dad, but you knew he believed in beating. <laughs> so, so now you're in this place where instead of instead of getting some healing, am I making any sense? Instead of getting some healing, um, can, can I just say that I think most marriages would be 99.9% better if they would just get healed. And instead of trying to change each other, it's a miracle. Know that you're wrestling stupid stuff. Um, I'm going to close with this one. Um, there's a, a gene in my family that about every every couple of generations, uh, two maybe you'll see maybe two grandchildren, and I was one of them in this particular group. And we just have strong undermines. And mine was so dominant that by the time I was 13 or 14 years old, and all my teeth were crooked, I'm convinced that if I was born in another century, I would have been dead at 18. Because I had so many infections, and so many uh, difficulties with my life. I could play sports and, and crack teeth in one hit. Constantly lived at a dentist. Okay, But more... What was worse is constantly made fun of. Now, this isn't a wham wham pastor John. But constantly made fun of. Um, not bullying, just made fun of. I don't know what bullying really is, except making fun of people, I guess. But, uh, and was it cruel? Yes, that's how I had a fight. See? Survive. And now, what made it worse was my dad was a minister. So we didn't have insurance, we didn't have money, per se, so we would go to the dentist and my mom and dad's response was, honey, we think you look beautiful. <laughs> and, and it got to the bottom line where I would leave the dentist feeling worthless. I wasn't worth whatever it was going to take, didn't even know how much it would cost, but I wasn't worth getting something that I even knew was not set straight. And then being in the minister's home, we moved so much that I went to four different high schools. I didn't go to four different high schools because of discipline issues. I really just had to move to go to four different high schools. 
And when you go to a new place every time and you look different and you're already insecure, that's just a miserable six months getting to know people. Now, I'm not telling any of you, I see some of my friends right now, I'm not telling any of you this, this is not a feel sorry for Pastor John's story. I'm telling you that depending on your past, you bring more messed up stuff into relationships than you came out. Because now, now by the time I'm 18, 19, I've already got an attitude, because I already know that wherever I go, I'm going to have to fight somebody, just get it, just get it out of the way. Because somebody's going to say something. I've got to prove my worth. I've got to prove my existence. I've got to prove my ability to be able to make a stand. So now I'm getting in trouble on a regular basis. Because I'm just trying to prove that I can accomplish something because i still got my dad in the back of my mind going, you aren't finished yet. How long is that going to take you to stop admiring your work and get it done? Um, let's fast forward a few years. I got my jaw reset. I had got braces. Paid for it myself. And some of you are saying, you should have got more work done. Just drop it. We'll do it that way. That's, that wasn't funny. We're upset. Now, here's what I found out. You can change. You can change the house. But if you don't change the heart, nothing's changed. Because with straight teeth, I can still have an attitude. Why? Because there was no inner healing. With, with a correct bite, I can still be insecure, feel worthless. You're saying, come on, Pastor John, if this just breaks it right. No, it, it's, it's more of when you're not willing to allow yourself to be close enough to God, you're going to start dealing with some of those issues. Or even if you're not serious enough to say, you know what, I I wrestle with this. I've got to give this over to God. I need healing in this area. I can still look at things in my life and realize that God's been working on some things in my life. And you know, God never stall arms anyway. He'll let you get to a certain point, and you always sort of know where the healing needs to take place because you always tend to trip over that same place every time. And I'm not even promoting today that in one simple prayer this morning, God's going to take out all that desire and take out all your issues. What I am saying is, he's still working on me. And it could be a process, but I want to invite you to a healing process. Because the emotional healing, sometimes we just get the outside cleaned up a little bit, and we just think we can hide the inside. Listen, that inner healing is more vital. I'd rather walk with a limp. And be whole on the inside. Then be strong and walk with, with squared shoulders and no limp and be broken. I want the team to come. I want us to pray. We're going to do something a little bit differently. We do have the questions. Please go to the website for our online, online church. Uh, go to the website, get those questions, uh, have some discussion with your family members. Let us know. Call the church. We want to be able to talk to you. God bless you.